Do you feel like you have much more potential than you're able to actually realize in life? Maybe you feel that God has placed dreams in your heart, given you desires and aspirations, talents and gifts, but you don't know how to put them all to their full effect. In the month of March, we're going to be looking at how to discover and use your full God-given potential in a new message series called Weed It and Reap. So, we are now going on with the last part, the final part of the message series we've been doing called Weed It and Reap. And we've been looking at the idea that the Bible presents over and over again. In fact, I think this is probably one of the major um, analogies that's used in the Bible is the agricultural analogy. That whenever the Bible's talking about things, it tends to liken them to a farmer planting seed in a field and growing crops, or somebody uh, planting trees in an orchard, or vines in a vineyard and growing fruit and getting the fruit off of it. And the Bible likens your life to being like a farm or being like an orchard. And all of the different areas of your life, whether that be your career or maybe you run a business, it could be your family, your home, your finances, your faith, your mind and your thoughts, the way you think, every area of your life, the Bible likens to different fields in your farm. Or if it's using the orchard analogy, it likens those different parts of your life to different trees in your orchard. Now, are all of the fields in your life producing a harvest? Are all of the trees in your orchard bearing fruit? And if they're not, then the Bible gives us all this kind of advice that sometimes our lives are shallow, like shallow soil, and seed can't get deep down into shallow soil, or sometimes our lives are cluttered with all kinds of distractions, the way a piece of ground can be cluttered with weeds, and those weeds choke the life out of the plant. So in the first week, um, we looked at uh, the, the fact that... Um, uh, God, li- God, God likens all these areas of your life to a field. And each of those fields have, has potential. It might not be, like you might have a field, you might say, yeah, I don't have a career, I just have a job, flipping burgers, and it's not something I want to do for the rest of my life. Okay, it's a temporary field. You still want to at least make some money out of it. You at least want it to be successful for while you're doing it. Even if it's something like that that you do not see any potential in, the Bible says there is great wealth in uncultivated fields. And there is great blessing, great provision, great harvests, and a great amount of fruit in all of the fields of our life if we will cultivate their potential as we looked at in week one, if we will remove all the weeds, distractions, and dysfunctional things that are choking the life out of that, that field of our life, if we can weed our garden. And today I want to look about preparing for a harvest. Preparing for a harvest. Because, you know, this is not, some, sometimes, people can sometimes teach the Bible in a really negative way. Like, it's like, 
These are your duties. These are your responsibilities. And you're failing at them miserably. The Bible never, produces, never presents itself like that. It says this. Look, your life is not producing any fruit. If you want your life to produce fruit, here's what to do. Um, now, if you don't do it, you're not supposed to go about filled with shame. You're just not going to get a harvest. That's it. Whatever a man sows, that shall he reap. And so all of this stuff about weeding the negative things out of our lives and out of our mind and all of that stuff, it's not just like for the sake of self-discipline, it's for a purpose. And the purpose is that you will have a harvest at some future date. We need to prepare for a harvest. When things are tough, if you're going through a tough season in your life, then the tough season is the time that you should be preparing for a future better season, a time of blessing, a time of provision. You need to prepare for a harvest. There's a story in the book of Genesis. It's the story of Joseph. It's one of the longest stories in the Old Testament, actually. Um, And uh, Joseph is this young guy that God has placed in his heart dreams of greatness, that God has revealed to him that he is destined to do something great in the future, something that is going to save many, many people's lives, including the lives of his family. And so um, he has these dreams, and one of the dreams that he has is to do with a harvest field producing a harvest. And he has 11 brothers, and he tells his brothers his dream foolishly, be careful who you tell your dreams to. Some people just want to destroy it. They'll just burn the crop, okay? So he tells his brothers, he said, I had this dream. I had this dream. We were all out in the field. We were cutting down the harvest and tying it up into bundles. And then all of your bundles of wheat bowed down to my bundle of wheat. And so the brothers didn't think it was dreams of greatness. They thought it was delusions of grandeur. And so they, who does he think he is? Here comes that dreamer, they would, they would refer to him as. And they really hate, they said, what, you think we're going to bow down to you at some point or something like that? Who do you think they are? And they really hated him because of it. They became jealous. Eventually, they wanted to kill him. But instead of killing him, they sold him to some passing uh, slave traders, human traffickers that were on their way to Egypt. They sold their brother to, to the slave traders who take him to Egypt and to, who sell him to a man called Potiphar. And he becomes a slave in Potiphar's house. But even there, you know, church, you can only play with the deck that you've been, the hand that you've been dealt, right? You might wish you had a different set of cards, but you can't play the different set of cards. Or if it's, if it's uh, uh, dominoes or something like that, you can only play the numbers you've got. Or Scrabble, you can only use the letters you've got. You can only play with what life has dealt you. You might wish you had something else. Joseph could have sat there in a pity party saying, I wish I was back home in the land of Canaan. But he didn't. He made the best of the situation he was in. And he had a good attitude and he worked hard. And he gained favor with his slave owner, Potiphar. And eventually, the Bible says that Potiphar noticed that Joseph was a gifted young man 
And he promoted, even in that bad situation, he promoted him to second in command. Under Potiphar, he was second in command in charge of all the other slaves. So, well, all I'm doing is flipping burgers. Well, maybe the manager will promote you to be the second in command of the burger flippers, right? At least you're making the best of that situation. So, then Potiphar's wife brings a a false me too allegation against Joseph. And of course, the woman is believed and the man isn't, so he goes to jail. And in jail there, he now should be in a complete pit of despair because like, I'm getting further and further away from my dream. But in jail, he continues to use his God-given gift. He continues to keep a good attitude. He continues to keep bright. He, he starts to interpret other people's dreams. The prison warden sees that Joseph has got potential, and he makes Joseph, although he's a prisoner, he makes Joseph second in command. Do you see there's a theme happening here? Second in command and under the prison warden in charge of all the prisoners. Now, then one day, the Pharaoh, the king of Egypt, has a dream. He has a couple of dreams. But one of them is about a harvest field and a harvest coming in. And he has a dream of seven uh, healthy, full grains of corn growing up. And then seven sickly ones grow up and they destroy the seven healthy ones. And he's really bothered by this dream. And somebody says, there's a guy in, in jail, Joseph. He knows how to, he's got a gift. And he says, well, go and get him. And Joseph interprets a dream and says, there are going to be seven years of plenty followed by seven years of famine. So during the time of plenty, you need to prepare so that you still have some of the harvest left to keep everybody alive during the time of famine. He tells Pharaoh, during the good times, be preparing for the challenging times. But also Joseph himself, during the challenging times, has been preparing himself for the good times. Whatever season you are in in life, always be thinking ahead. Your life doesn't go backwards, it goes forwards, okay? Always be thinking ahead and be preparing for the next season in your life. If you're in a season where you... It's a challenging time. You don't, you know, you, you, you don't have only, you've only got a little bit of seed. You can keep all the seed. You can eat all the seed. Or you can plow the ground and prepare for a harvest and plant the seed and prepare for a future. If you're in a challenging time like Joseph was, you need to prepare, be preparing for a future time of blessing. And if you're in a, currently in a time of blessing, if this is harvest season, remember that when the farmers bring in the grain, maybe not so much now with the genetically modified seed, but normally bring in the grain, they always keep some of the grain back to prepare for the next season of sowing so that there's a future harvest. So in bad times, you need to have faith that there's going to be a harvest in your future, a harvest of blessing, and start preparing for it now. And in good times when the harvest has come in, keep some back. You know, here's just maybe an idea. See like, you know, after all this stuff's blown over, maybe in a few months' time, and you're going to the supermarkets, and there is a ton of toilet paper and hand sanitizer. 
maybe you should put a couple of extra in the cart, you know, just to prepare for a future, be a prepper, you know, and just prepare for a future time rather than panic by. Prepare for a future time of trial or prepare for a future time of blessing in whatever situation you're in. And so my first point is this, prepare for a harvest. Say that with me. Prepare for a harvest. Now, the Bible tells us in the book of Genesis about this guy, Isaac. And Isaac, you know, was Abraham's son. God made a covenant with Abraham and revealed himself to Abraham. And now Isaac was in on it. And Isaac is a believer in the Lord. And all of the other people around him are pagans worshiping idols and things like that. And, um, and a great famine, there's a great famine happens in the land. And, uh, and so everybody takes the tiny little bit of seed that they've got left and goes into social isolation with it so nobody else can steal their little seed and grinds it all up and makes it into flour so they can make a couple of little chapatis or something before they die, before they run out of food. But Isaac does something different. While the whole land's in famine, Isaac takes his seed and he planted his crops that year. Are you going through a time of famine? Maybe it's a time of spiritual famine and you just feel, you don't feel God's blessing. You feel like your prayers aren't being heard and all of that kind of stuff. Oh, and you want to just quit and just give it up for a while until you feel better, until you feel more spiritual. Continue to pray. Continue to believe. The answer to your prayers is not based on how you emotionally feel at the time. It's based on the fact that God never changes. And so he, he, you might be feeling emotionally down, but God isn't. Okay, you change, but he doesn't. And keep planting those uh, seeds of prayers. You know, maybe it's financially. You're in a time of financial famine. Maybe you need to plant some seeds. Look, Isaac planted his crops that year and he harvested a hundred times more grain than he planted. For the Lord blessed him. And he became a very rich man, and his wealth continued to grow. Maybe you might want to just reach out your hand and say, I believe and receive that promise into my life in Jesus' name. Isn't that amazing? You know, God says things so matter-of-fact, and God says things that we think aren't spiritual. Have you ever noticed that? Well, that doesn't sound spiritual. Money is the root of all evil. But the Lord blessed him. And what happened? Say it with me. He became and his continued to prepare for a harvest, people. My next, put my next slide up. This is what I want to say. If you really believe that God will bless you, you should prepare to receive it. And you would put a ginormous offering in on Vision Sunday because you would know that you are planting seed in good kingdom soil and you're going to receive a big harvest like Isaac. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. Okay, next one. Put my next one up. <clears throat> The next one is prepare for some work. If you want to prepare for a harvest, you need to prepare for some work. You know, farmers don't just lie about their bed all day. You know, they actually get out and they do work. Look at this. Proverbs 20. 
those too lazy to plough in the right season will have no food at the harvest. Those who don't plough in the right season will have no food at the harvest. Those who haven't actually put anything out won't get anything back in. You know, you don't, see if, see if you're built, you say, let's build a fire pit and let's make s'mores. And you're all sitting there and you've got the fire pit there and you've got your marshmallows and crackers and all of that stuff there. And then you see, you don't say to the fire, give me heat, give me heat. If the fire could talk, the fire would say, give me wood. You give me wood and I will give you heat. You sow wood and reap a harvest of heat, right? You have to sow before you reap. You have to prepare for work. Those too lazy to plow at the right season will have no food at the harvest. I walked past the field of a lazy person. By the way, parents, this is an absolutely brilliant verse for teenagers when you're trying to get them up in the morning. I I love it. A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest. And poverty will come on you like a bandit. So get out that bed, get in the shower and get yourself to school. Um, It says, I saw that it was overgrown with nettles. It was covered with weeds. Its walls were broken down. Have you ever noticed sometimes that the people who have got the most time on their hands, they're unemployed or whatever, their yards are overgrown with weeds? And their wall's broken down. And they're lying on the couch watching Netflix with a big bag of Cheetos during the day. And, you're, and you are out at work and coming home. And before you sit down in front of Netflix, you go out and pull a few weeds out of your garden. You know, at, you know there is a true saying, if you want something done, give it to a busy person. Because busy people are active people. And sometimes when you don't do things, you become lazier and lazier and lazier until your whole life has collapsed around you and it's overgrown with weeds. And then you say, why did God let this happen to me? And God says, I have been telling you for your whole life, plant seeds, uproot the weeds. If you want a harvest of blessing in your life, I've told you how to do it. And so... Prepare for some work, but it is also true that there are lots of people in the world that work their fingers to a bone and they've got nothing to show for it because it's not just working hard, it's working smart. And so here is my key. If you want to prepare for a harvest, you're going to have to prepare for some work. But not just futile work or like, you know, like a, a brute beast working, working, working. Don't just work hard, work smart. And when it comes to working smart, remember this thing called the 80-20 principle that seems to work in every area of life. A couple of hundred years ago, there was a guy in Italy and he noticed that, um, that, that 80% of the land in his province, 80% of the land was owned by 20% of the people. And he he just noticed that. He noticed that most people, 80%, were prepared to work for other people, the 20%, who were the landowners. And so that, he noticed that and it stuck in his mind. And after he noticed it, he began to see it everywhere. This guy grew tomatoes. 
And he went out and he, as he began to examine his tomato plants, here's what he discovered. 20% of his tomato plants produced 80% of the tomatoes. The other ones just grew a wee one, a little tomato here and a little tomato there. But 20% of them were the fruitful ones. And then he began to notice it in other areas, and people have studied it over the last century or so on, and they found out that this is a principle that happens in business, it happens in government, it happens in every area of life, it happens in churches. 20%, this is an average number, 20% of church members give 80% of the money. 20% of church members volunteer to do 80% of the volunteering. The 80-20 principle. And in your life, if you look at what your money is being spent on, 80% of it might be getting spent on things that aren't that important and 20% on the vital things. Um, And uh, uh, the same with your time, the same with your business. If you run a business and you're advertising, you check up on your adverts. Probably around 20% of the adverts are bringing 80% of the customers in. And so the key to working smart is if you look at your life as an orchard, if only 20% of the trees are producing fruit, if you're going to work hard, spend your time working hard on the things in your life that are bearing fruit. Don't give hours and hours and hours and hours to things that are not producing any fruit in your life. My next point is this is um, prepare by prioritizing. This follows on from that 80-20 principle because I'm already saying prioritize on the 20% of things in your life that are bearing fruit. You know, if you're one of these people that has a long, long prayer list of, you know, you pray for every missionary in the world and all that kind of stuff, you've got a long, long prayer list and if you find that actually there's only a few things that make you come alive when you're praying. Those are your priorities, okay? The Bible says this, those who sow in tears will reap with shouts of joy. They weep as they go to plant their seed, but they sing as they return with the harvest. You know, sometimes in life, you have to sacrifice short term. It can be painful, it can make you weep, feel sorry for yourself. Oh, I, 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 want, you know, I want to keep all this seed for myself. If, if, if I invest this money, then I won't have any money left. If I give this offering in Vision Sunday, then I won't be able to uh, call Skip the Dishes tonight. What's it going to be, you know? And if, but a farmer knows that if he keeps that little bit of seed, grinds it down into flour, bakes a loaf of bread out of it and eats it, then it's all gone. But if he goes hungry without the loaf of bread today and plants that seed in a a field which is full of potential, which has been weeded, then at a later stage, he will get a harvest and instead of tears, there will be songs and shouts of joy. And so, Sometimes, you, if you want to live, you, you know, think of your life. There's seasons. There's, there's seasons when you do without something in order to get a bigger blessing. 
Dave Ramsey, if you follow the financial piece or you've read any of Dave Ramsey's books or listened to him on the radio, he has this saying, when he's encouraging people to pay off their debts and to, to work to a really, really tight budget, he says, I know it's painful to stick to this tight budget. In fact, he calls that tight budget his rice and beans budget. He says, you're not buying filet mignon, you're living on rice and beans for the next few months, okay? And, you're going to, and he says, you're going to live, he says, people say, well, nobody lives like this. He says, that's right, you're going to live like nobody else lives right now, so that a couple of years up the road, you can live like nobody else lives, and you can give like nobody else gives because you have got a harvest coming in. Apply that to every area of your life. Here's the key. Put the next one up, please. The key is this. Maturity is the ability to forego today's fleeting pleasures to ensure tomorrow's lasting blessing. That's a sign of maturity. A sign of immaturity is when you consume everything, where you enjoy everything right now, and then you've got nothing left over afterwards, and you're looking for other people to bail you out in life, emotionally, financially, whatever way it is. Let's go to our next point. Our next point is this. Prepare by staying connected to God. You, if, if life is based on seasons, and not every season is a season of harvest, I mean, the Bible says there is seed time and harvest. In fact, you could even do a little play on words. There is seed time and harvest. There's time between sowing the seed and reaping the harvest. And so... Um, you need to, uh, during that time period, if, if not every season in life is a season of blessing, you might be in a season right now where it's like all the prayers that you've been praying in the last six months are all being answered, boom, 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 one another. It's like, it's like the heavens have opened and the angels' choirs are singing, oh, and the light's coming down on you. But you know that maybe this point last year, you felt like, does God even love me? Is he listening to my prayers? Is he responding to my needs? And the only way that you got to the season of blessing was by staying connected to God during the season of sowing or the time of waiting. Jesus said, I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. If this microphone stand was a, a vine plant, if this was the vine and this was a branch and this microphone was a bunch of grapes growing on the branch, Shiraz it's going to be, and uh, the, the sap, the life-giving sap is coming up through the vine and it's going into the branch and that's what's causing, it's bringing all the nutrients with it and that's causing this bunch of grapes to grow and bear fruit. But if I was to take this off, this branch away from the vine, the vine itself would still be full of life-giving sap but it wouldn't be going into the branch so the branch wouldn't be bearing fruit. Christ is our life. He gives us, in God we live and move and have our being. 
And the Holy Spirit is like that life-giving sap. And if we will stay connected to Christ in faith, then that life-giving sap will go through us. Even during a time of sacrifice, when we're sowing the only seed we've got, we're investing our time in somebody else or whatever it may be, even during this waiting period, which can sometimes be long and involve patience, we won't lose heart. We won't become discouraged. The Bible says, in due season, you shall reap a harvest if you don't lose heart. And so you won't lose heart while you're waiting for the harvest because you're constantly being invigorated. You're constantly being energized. You're const- God is giving you fresh vision. Your faith is coming alive. You're connected to the vine and you're bearing fruit. Or as Ephesians says, may your roots go down deep into the soil of God's marvelous love. May your life be grounded in him. If you can stay connected to God, it will invigorate you. It will awaken your faith. It will change you from being a pessimist into being an optimist. Because when you think of the future, you will know this, that God says, I know the plans I have for you. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to bring about the future that you hope for. Let's look at my next point here. It says this, God is a gardener. He knows how to make your life grow and blossom. And he knows better than you do. So the best idea is to stay connected to him and let his life and his guidance flow into your life. Okay, my next point is prepare by getting into the greenhouse of God's blessing. I believe the church is supposed to be like a greenhouse. And it's a greenhouse where the spiritual climate is just right. And if you want your life to flourish, spiritually, relationally, in your career, knowing what your life purpose is, living a life that is where you are fulfilled and where you are fulfilling some, uh, ta- some important purpose financially. In every way, if you want your life to blossom and flourish, my number one piece of advice for you is get in the greenhouse of God's blessing. Here's what the Bible says in Psalm 92. The godly will flourish like a palm tree and grow strong like cedars planted in the house of the Lord, they will flourish. It doesn't say if they visit the house of the Lord at Easter and Christmas, they will flourish. It doesn't say if, if, they, if they kind of like, if the house of the Lord is there's a little added extra that they might go to occasionally. It doesn't say that, that they'll flourish. But it says that people who are planted, people who get planted in the house of the Lord, they're going to flourish. People like this, this here. If this here was a tree or a plant and it was growing outside and the storms had been beating against it, and green fly had been eating it, and the plant looked pathetic, and its leaves were all broken down, and it was the wrong color, and it wasn't bearing fruit. We could take that plant, and we could move it, 
and put it indoors in a greenhouse. And in that greenhouse, the lighting is perfect for the plant, the temperature's perfect for the plant, the humidity's perfect for the plant. All of the conditions in the atmosphere are just right. You don't even need to do much with that plant. You just need to put it in the correct environment. And you go and look at it the next week, and oh, that little leaf that was falling down is beginning to stick up now. Well, that's interesting. And then you go the next week, and it looks a bit better. And you go the next week, and it looks a bit healthier. All you have to do is make sure that plant is planted in the greenhouse where the climate is correct, and it will start to become healthy and bear fruit. And so my point is, if you put it up, please, my point is this, get planted in the church. Get yourself planted in the house of the Lord and thrive in a spiritual climate that's full. This place is full of prayer and it's full of worship and it's full of scriptures being quoted and it's full of believers who love one another and love God. And the, the atmosphere, the climate is just right. And I see people, I see people coming to church for the first time and they look like that plant that's been beaten by the storms of life. And oh, they come in, and I mean, some of them look like you want to get the defibrillators out and give them a helping hand or something. But all they do is they come in and they sit in the church, and and then the next week you think, oh, that little branch is beginning to come up. I saw them doing this during the songs. And then the next week you see them, oh, their palm branch, their palm branches are beginning to. And then one day you come to church and they're worshiping God and they're beaming and their hearts full of joy and they come up and they tell you all of these good testimonies about how their life, not just their life in the church, but now as a result of being in God's greenhouse, their life out there in every area is beginning to change because they're beginning to change because they're becoming a healthy plant. One, I think I've got one more. Do I have one more? Put the next one up. Prepare. Oh, here it is. This is my last one. Prepare to be the answer to your own prayers. This is something I find really interesting. I actually find this passage a little bit amusing because, you know, it is true that prayer changes things. I really believe that's true. That's why at the end of the worship, we quoted that passage of Scripture and did that big, powerful prayer, and I believe that that prayer is already at work in our lives, okay? So prayer changes things, but remember, the biggest thing that prayer changes is the person who's praying. When you're praying, sometimes you become the answer to your own prayers. Look at this. Jesus said, the Bible says, the Lord now chose 72 other disciples and sent them ahead in pairs to all the towns and places he planned to visit. These were his instructions to them. The harvest is great, but the workers are few. So pray to the Lord who is in charge of the harvest and ask him to send more workers into his field. Oh, we can do that. And in the next sentence says, now you go. You're the answer to your own prayer. You've just said, Lord, we need workers in the harvest field. Can you send more workers? And the Lord says, yes, I can. And you're number one. Off you go. You're the answer to your own prayer. You know, 
when I, I was thinking about this passage and I thought, maybe we should stop trying to recruit volunteers for different ministries in the church. Maybe we should just say to everybody, can you pray that the Lord will provide new nursery workers? Just pray for it. Because I know what the Lord will do. While he's praying for it, he'll say, oh, yeah, you're the first one. You're, the, you're number one. Go and be the answer to your own prayer, lazy bones. And sometimes when we're preparing for a harvest, we think that we pray and we say, God, I want a harvest of blessing in my life. And then we go and we sit in the deck chair with our feet up waiting for God to answer that prayer. Now, sometimes God, there is divine intervention where God will answer a prayer without any involvement whatsoever. But sometimes the answer to the prayer is, Lord God, I need a harvest in my life. Can you provide a harvest? And instead of going, Shazam, here is your harvest, what happens is God says, yes, I can. I am now going to awaken your intuition and begin to drop little ideas into your life. You know, you, know, you, you might need, need $20,000 urgently for something, and you're praying and praying and praying. It's possible that you will go to the mailbox and open up an envelope, and there'll be an unexpected check for $20,000. It's also possible that while you're praying, the answer to your prayer will be God giving you four ideas for making $5,000. All that junk in the attic is worth $5,000 and you haven't used it for three years, sell it. Maybe the, God might tell you that and you become the answer to your own prayers. You see, we're not talking about you living your life without God, but neither are we talking about you asking God to run your life for you. We're talking about you being connected to God and God not working for you, God is working through you. And so we're going to do this. Put up that last slide, please. We're going to do that right now. We're going to pray. We're going to pray for a harvest in your life and a harvest in our church, in every area, a harvest of blessing spiritually, a harvest of blessing financially, relationally, and numerically. Let's believe that God is preparing us and our lives for a harvest of blessing. Come on, church, let's stand together. Let's stand together and let's prepare. Prepare to receive. Let's close our eyes. Take whatever, I encourage you to raise your hand, but whatever posture helps you to just get into that mindset where you are connecting with God right in this place. Let's say this together. Repeat this prayer with me. Let's say it. Father God, you are the Lord of the harvest. You want a harvest of blessing in my life and in this church. I pray that you would prepare our hearts, prepare our plans. Lead us, guide us, and take us into a future of unparalleled blessing. We look for a harvest. We prepare for a harvest. We believe for a harvest. We will receive a harvest. In Jesus' name, 
And all God's people said, let's give God a praise.